0: Welcome to the Richard Rance Show. This is Richard Rance. Today on this 17th of June 2020, another momentous day in our history, a day that will go down as a continuation of one of the biggest uprisings nationwide and also worldwide that has happened historically. Welcome to The Richard Rantz Show, and thank you for listening. The show is on every Wednesday at 5 o'clock Pacific Time, and I'm here to talk about politics, about issues that are going on in our world, and I will take calls from select callers who wish to call in. There are many things to talk about on the show today, and I will start with going over some of the recent news that we have seen coming through, such as the predominance of stories that we have seen in the media about police violence, police violence being used in demonstrations against police violence. So that is, some of you may not want to talk about it anymore but it's happening out there. And I am extremely grateful to all of the people on the front lines who are getting out there to demonstrate for our rights, for the rights of people who have been oppressed in this country for its entire history. There have been some advances, and every time there's an advance, there is a backlash. And we are seeing that now. A friend of mine, who was around in the 60s, thought that it was a very similar time now to the way it was then. That we had a widespread resistance to the power structure as it existed at the time. He said the music was better back then, but that's debatable. I think there's a lot of great music coming out now too. but. It is a fact that the 60s did have some great musical innovations happening and a lot of wonderful musical acts, which I won't enumerate here, but many of you may be aware of them. Yes, the 60s was a time of great social upheaval and of also great resistance to that upheaval. We saw people in the streets, those long-haired hippies that we remember so fondly, demonstrating against the Vietnam War, demonstrating against the status quo of the establishment of the oppressors. And yes, we saw the National Guard called out to control protesters. We saw police violence in the 60s, then, such as during the 68 Democratic Convention, where massive demonstrations erupted when the more popular Democratic candidate was not nominated by the Democratic campaign, or by the Democratic party, and instead a uh, less popular, less of a peace activist was nominated. There were massive demonstrations outside in Chicago at the 1968 Democratic convention, and those Chicago cops came out and started beating heads, which is quite reminiscent of what is going on today. Although even then, the police were not as militarized as they are now. Now the police are extremely militarized. They're using military weapons such as tear gas, which for a long time was declared illegal for war because it was a war crime to use such a destructive weapon as a chemical weapon, as tear gas, which is actually a misnomer in that it is much more serious than just tear gas. It does not only cause Crying, it causes intense pain, inflammation, lung damage, lung strain, witch, coughing. And all of those symptoms actually happen to be even more dangerous for the current COVID epidemic that is happening, which is also a lung-based disease. So that the use of tear gas in the situation of having a disease pandemic that attacks the lungs happening is even doubly criminal. In fact, the World Court in The Hague, which prosecutes war criminals, should actually be prosecuting the Trump administration. And actually, currently, the United Nations is about to hold a debate about police brutality in the United States at UN headquarters in New York City, which is one of the epicenters of the global pandemic at the moment. And one of the major reasons that New York City and the United States are a major epicenter of this global pandemic is because the US government has failed abjectly and miserably inappropriately responding to this epidemic many of you are up on the news of that you know why you know that the president the so-called president of the United States not my president has tried to downplay this issue and his toadying party has been right behind him towing the party line downplayed the issue why because He is only short-sighted, doesn't see past the current news cycle, and hey, it's better for the stock market if you just deny the problem because problems are bad for the market and problems are bad for his ratings, bad for his popularity. Not realizing because he can't think past the next news cycle that a terrible pandemic throughout the country. Harming the economy is going to cause even greater damage to his popularity. And that's what's happening now. And if you go about through the United States right now, you can see that the presumptive Democratic candidate for president, who is Joe Biden, is leading in the polls by a fairly good margin but that doesn't mean it can't change. That is a positive development, but it's not something that we can count on staying in place. And I don't think I need to waste any time trying to convince you that it is best for all of us, if Joe Biden, if he is the Democratic nominee, wins the nomination and wins the presidency so that we can end this horrible period of Trumpism or at least start to end it because even when Trump goes away, Trumpism will not yet be dead, unfortunately. It is a backlash and going back to my previous comparison of now with the 1960s, and the backlash that happened against the movement for greater democracy and greater freedom and against the destructive status quo, that this backlash is continuing. And one of the elements of that backlash are that we see these extreme right-wing elements such as the uh, movement that calls itself the Boogaloo movement and others that are sending representatives, representatives sending terrorists out into the streets to cause violence and disruption and to wreak havoc and cause damage. All the while the demagogue in the White House and his toadying followers are characterizing Antifa which is not even an organization as a terrorist organization. The ignorance in the White House is staggering. And the dominance of the airwaves and the media by members of the White House is an ongoing problem. So rather than I uh, continue to... Respond to every idiotic tweeting lie that comes out of there we're best off looking at what is going on in the world and Talking about positive steps that people are taking in the world So one of the positive things that's happening right around here is that The Supreme Court ruled that LGBTQ workers are protected by the Civil Rights Act. Now that's not news to any of us, but it is, and it's really not news to our reactionary wannabe fascist government in the White House either, who just out of sheer cruelty Issued an order only a couple of days before the Supreme Court ruling was due to come out that withdrew protections from trans people in this country for health care. Just a blatantly discriminatory, unconstitutional action. But not surprising because this current administration continues to put out, not just a dog whistle, but as, as a potential vice presidential nominee, Um, I'm I'm looking, looking this up right now, Uh, but uh, is, Um, our our former our former um, Attorney General I apologize for looking this up as we speak I probably just lost about five listeners Kamala Harris and uh, Kamala Harris came out and said that that regarding regarding this scheduling of the upcoming Trump rally um, in Tulsa that this was not only a dog whistle for the for the extreme right but was a I, I want to give you the exact exact quote from this and I won't because. It's taking me too long to look up, but it is basically throwing the door wide open and it's an embrace of the extreme right, the extreme racist right in this country. And that is the case because the Trump rally is scheduled to be held in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which about 99 years ago was the site of one of the worst race riots and massacres of african-americans in this country during the tulsa race riots and uh, that was covered uh, very well in democracy now went over it and interviewed a survivor of those race riots from those many years ago from those 99 years ago and the those riots happened and in tulsa and it is no accident that the trump campaign scheduled that rally to happen in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they also scheduled it for June 19th, known as Juneteenth, which is a long-held important anniversary for African-American population in the United States. It is as a reminiscence and recollection of the day that the Black population in Texas learned of the end of slavery um, a matter of a couple of years after uh, Lincoln put out the uh, proclamation that officially freed the slaves in the United States. But this news was kept from the population of Texas for a couple of years and they discovered it on June 19th This date is commemorated every year and celebrated by the African-American population in the United States, including in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So having a racist Trump rally on that day is a slap in the face, just another one, one of many against the African-American population. On top of that, it also happens to be a further indication that this administration is still not taking the current emergency caused by the pandemic seriously, seriously enough to the point where one quarter of the people in the world who have been infected, and that is probably an underestimate because there's lack of testing. Of course, Trump administration says, well, then we shouldn't test, because when you test, you get a higher number. Um, Always looking at PR before public health. That's the rule. And then we will have this huge rally of rabid right-wing, mostly racist Trump supporters and you know, I'm not going to subscribe to the theory that, hey, not all Trump supporters are racist, et cetera. And I do want to look at people with more compassion. And I realize that when you confront someone in a very negative fashion and characterize their viewpoints as racist or in other inflammatory ways that You're not going to initiate a constructive conversation with them. I know, I know. And cooler heads than mine will have better conversations. And on a good day, I will also be able to converse on a more understanding level with people whose viewpoints Appear to be diametrically opposed to my own. But I still have great difficulty pulling up compassion for anyone who supports the Trump administration because overall it is a racist administration, it is a hardline, reactionary, right wing administration, anti democratic the leader of that administration, Trump is a liar he is a criminal and should be prosecuted not only for financial crimes, but also for crimes against humanity, for war crimes, for manslaughter and the two main reasons that you can be prosecuted for manslaughter are for either failing to help someone and thereby causing their death, or also by enacting an action that causes someone's death. And Trump and his administration are guilty of both. In the case of our current pandemic, by failing to act appropriately, they've caused many people to die. And by actively telling people that it is not a problem and not to worry about it. That is a action that they took that also caused people to die. So, yes, guilty of manslaughter as well. Should be impeached again, and once again going to put many people in danger. And although masks will not be required at the uh, Trump Tulsa rally. What will be required is to sign a liability waiver <laughs> promising that the attendees will not sue the Trump administration for contracting COVID at the rally. And in my mind, part of what this will do is to maintain a record of every person who is at that rally. because on file will be that waiver. So every single person who attends that rally will have a waiver signed, and their name will be on record somewhere. And because it is a campaign rally, it's a public piece of information, which should be thereby obtainable through the Freedom of Information Act. Now, we know that the Trump administration has no respect for the law, and in fact, the chief lawmaker, or not the chief lawmaker, but the chief person in charge of defending, quote unquote, the law, is the attorney general, Bill Barr. And the attorney general has already proven that he is uh, not there to defend the law, such as it is. He is there to run interference for the president and in many ways will actually be undermining the law in doing so. So I'll get back to that, but in the meantime, just to finish my uh, very calm rant about the Tulsa, Oklahoma Trump rally. And besides it being a uh, bow down to his racist right-wing base, It, uh, which is disgusting right there in and of itself. It is also a massive failure to take appropriate measures to control the COVID-19 pandemic situation, which Oklahoma has been having an increase in. COVID cases recently, and which of course is denied by Donald Trump because he just lies. But every per- single person who attends that rally is going to have their name on record. So my thought is that we will be able to go back later and compare that list with the people who were later diagnosed with the COVID virus and we should be able to thereby come up with an actual percentage of people who attended the rally who got the virus. Well, I'm just interested to see what happens with this rally and and how much um, infection happens there. And I wonder how many, the fact that they will have to sign a waiver promising not to sue the Trump campaign for getting COVID, I wonder how many people that will actually dissuade from coming. My friend also said that he saw an advertisement for, uh, looking for, uh, African-American black actors who would be willing to pose and act as Trump supporters at the rally because unsurprisingly, I suppose they're going to have a very hard time getting anyone with darker skin to attend that rally. Um, it's likely to be an overwhelmingly white rally there. And like Trump rallies, a horrible, horrible place full of people spouting horrible malignant phrases. Um, just a, a xenophobic stew of white people. And you know, I, uh, I present white as well and I am dismayed and you know, have been dismayed for a long time, but that's the situation in this country has been one of overwhelming white privilege and where many white people take their privilege for granted and don't even realize the suffering that has been undergone to reach that status of privilege. So the uh, Trump campaign is trying to hire black people to go to that rally. And I would say if uh, if you were a black person looking for uh, work, that getting a job to attend a Trump rally is probably a job that would have to pay a whole lot of money. Like you would have to pay me a whole lot of money as even as a white person, you'd have to pay me a lot of money to attend a Trump rally. Um, As a black person, I can't imagine how many takers they're going to get for that job. But my friend who told me about it, um, who is also white um, said that he's going to go ahead and apply for it. uh, Just, uh, just as a, um, as a, uh, a way to put a jab into the Trump campaign. And if he can actually manage to, he won't go of course, but if he can manage to get paid for it, well that would be great because then you manage to siphon off a little bit of that Trump money to, to grift a little bit of that Trump money off of him. And whatever money he can lose is a good thing. But so let's track what happens there. And although I don't cry about a, uh, Trumpist getting COVID 19. I do think it's unfortunate uh, when they go out and they spread it into the community. Nobody wants to see that happen because the community outside of that campaign rally actually does have decent people. And although I keep hearing again and again that we should not lump all Trump supporters, that there must be some decent people amongst the Trump supporters. I just liken that to that Trump statement of, I'm sure there are very fine people on both sides in Charlottesville, where one side was anti-fascist and anti-racist protesters and the other side were." forthrightly racist members of far right-wing groups holding Nazi and Confederate symbols. And yeah, those are not fine people. Those are not fine people. And those were not fine people who were at the Wisconsin State House screaming at troopers, carrying guns, and threatening the lives of the members of their uh, government houses, those were not fine people either. And the president thinks that they were fine people. He's not a fine person, that's for sure. And we all know that if those so-called protesters who perhaps we could even well, I don't know, you know, I guess they didn't actually kill anyone. Um, I guess they didn't attempt to kill anyone, although they did block ambulances from saving people. They could be classified as terrorists. Certainly anti-fascist protesters are not terrorists, but right-wing militia members are in fact terrorists. And yet our government, because it tends to lean towards the right-wing fascist element and racist elements of our country have labeled uh, Antifa, the anti-fascist protesters as terrorists, but even the FBI has stated that the greatest number of terrorist actions are caused and enacted by right-wing militias and terrorist groups in this country, including, as I mentioned, one of the Boogaloo movement that recently um, one of their, uh, a couple of their members went and carried out overtly terrorist acts here in California. Uh, they shot a uh, federal police officer in Oakland, and they also shot a San Jose police officer. And these are members of the right-wing, racist, white, boogaloo movement. And by not coincidence, there also, there were three of them, one of them was was the principal uh, shooter who was arrested for murdering those police officers and a couple of other co-conspirators were also members of that same movement. And they were all former members of the US Armed Forces. Surprising? Not really. And if you remember when uh, the Oklahoma City bombing happened,